Uno, dos, tres. Un, tres, tres. Uh, Adult Swim has ended its association with Justin Roiland. Rick and Morty will continue. The talented and dedicated crew are hard at work at season seven. So in a world, in a world, in a world, in a world where Hulk, I, I have dubbed the Hulk Ho clan. <laughs> Thank you. In a world where Hulk Ho clan and Ric Flair, who is three inches away from uh, rape, if not closer, uh, continue to be featured and shown on television. Um, the disgusting allegations, uh, allegations, it's a little more than that, of Justin Roiland, got him canned at Rick and Morty. The voice of Rick and Morty is gone. See how easy that was, WWE? Impact? AEW? Get rid of the talented but abusive asshole and move on without him. Not a difficult concept. So what's the excuse? Uh, I was talking to um, a certain someone that's uh, directly involved with a certain thing that I'm lightly referencing. Uh, what's the goddamn excuse now? There's none. I, as soon as I didn't finish, I didn't finish for all 30. As soon as I see Hogan come on and uh, I turned it off, I'm I'm that abrasive about it i just whatever is what it is i understand that you aren't the only one that turned it off or were upset that he was on the show at all and the same with with rick flair being on the show um given his his track record and he hasn't been seen anywhere in the wwe since the uh dark side of the ring episode entitled the flight which brought many of his uh, past indiscretions to light. Now, this is something that was common knowledge amongst the boys for many, many years and uh, didn't come out fully until the Dark Side of the Ring episode. And once it did, Ric Flair was someone that no one wanted to be a part of, no wrestling company at all. And strangely, as it happens with time, uh, with money, with people that are prone to see the uh, the good and overlook the uh, the past, uh, it's it's kind of it and it sucks. I'm not con anything at all. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah. But it's it, it's you know, uh, Mike Tyson is like revered now, but the man went to jail for rape. But he served he his entire jail. Yeah, he did pay his. Yeah, but some Michael, Mike Tyson fans will critique, will will bring up the fact, and it's true. He's never apologized. He's never shown any remorse. That's true, because in his mind, he didn't do anything. It wasn't rape to him. Well, he was in jail for something. But yes, and he even as admittedly has said all the things I've done that I got away with. I deserve to be in jail um, for something you didn't do. But and I, I'm I'm don't need to get off track here. But um, no, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, uh, uh, a number of wrestlers that are currently employed by major um, promotions, of which there are only three. Um, but still, they're uh, they're 
what they've done, their victims um, still have to live with that live with that fact every day that this person that abused them um, made them feel less than uh, is being celebrated. And that's it hurts to watch uh, a Monday Night Raw like that. And on the other end, I know we're going to talk about this later, but I was just, it just, it popped in my head watching the 30th anniversary of Raw, watching a Hulk Hogan and watching a Ric Flair still be around and be cheered and a legitimate, good, good man loses his life. Oh, God. I fucking forgot, Craig. No, I yeah, I I didn't. Um, I tried to push it back because yeah, I watched it unfold live, and when something bad like that happens in the Delaware Valley area, well, Delaware Valley, but you know, in the extended area, I hear some one of my connections up there Mm -hmm. from first responders, and 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 I was hearing it. Jesus Christ! Really? We'll get to that in a second, but yes, you're right. A good man, a man, a man who. Made mistakes, and we'll 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 get to this in a second. Mm-hmm. And held himself accountable. Yes, and changed. Yes, period. Yeah, address uh, his 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 indiscretion and his mistake that he called it, and even warned fellow people against it. Um, because while some people will claim if it's their religion. Or it was how they were raised. Um, <laughs> I don't know any religion that requires you to hate another person for being different. Let me let me go on record again, and and, and if this offends you, please never never listen to the show again. Um, your uh, Ivan Provorov included. He doesn't care about me. It's not the point. Your religious belief about homosexuality, LGBTQIA+, is based on a fallacy. And I'm not talking about religion itself. I am not getting into that. That is, a as you, as Craig coins a phrase, a HMP. Oh, podcast. As, as you say, um, not going to get into that. But in the basis of said religion, we're not discussing whether you believe it or not. In the basis of that religion, that's not a thing that Jesus said. Okay? How do you know? Man, I read the Bible a lot when I was a kid because I was raised a Christian. Went through communion. Went to Bible school, summer, as I call it jokingly, Jeebus summer camp. <laughs> Many years. Read the Bible a lot, thanks. Um, the infamous story, it's not infamous, well, it's infamous around the ch- my mother's church, who is a, still a very religious, I say very religious, she goes to church, she's one of the deacons, and she sings in the choir, but she's still my mom, she's cool as hell, she says bad words, she still drinks, she's, like, she's not a Catholic, okay? Um, where everything you do is bad. Every sperm is sacred. Um, 
when the Pope was in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And she simply posted. Maybe the Pope is right. We can all just it's something about if he says uh, anybody can get married and love each other. Maybe she's just, we should probably just let that go because in the eye of God and in the eye of Jesus, everybody's and this guy who I'd only met once who was going to seminary school. First of all, was talking to my mom like, who the f do you think you're talking to? One son, two was doing that cherry picking of bible quotes and i was like nah not gonna let this stand i don't remember the conversation i can find it in the facebook history because i saved the link somewhere in my notes i he never showed up to church again after i was done with him i'm not making that up i'm not he never came back and all they talked about at breakfast or after after mass was you know your son's right yeah yeah i know like no, Jesus didn't say that. And every time he would he would try to twist a word, focus camera. There you go. Every time he would, sw- t- you know, do that twisting of the word, and I'm like, well, hell, here's a whole quote where you're wrong. <laughs> it's like so again. Just want to point out to everybody who's like, it's my religious freedom. That's not a thing. Jesus doesn't care if you're gay. All one child of God. Why is that one consciousness? Why is that so hard? You homophobic pieces of shit. <laughs> anyway, Vince McMahon's back. <laughs> yes, uh, for um, good or bad. Now, for we discussed okay. it on our uh, bad, mostly for for wrestling fans. <laughs> yeah, we we discussed that on um, a previous HIC uh, talk radio about what it would mean to uh, creative. For as far as we know, and obviously this is Vince McMahon, so it could change at any time. Creative isn't going to be touched. It's still Triple H's baby. Um, he still runs sway over what happens on TV. Yeah, okay. storylines and a pay per view coming up, Royal Rumble this Saturday. Vince is only there for the imminent sale, which could be anywhere from a week from now, a month from now, who knows when. But for right now, Vince Vince McMahon has no it has has no input on the on creative. Well, I um, wish we had uh, uh, Chris here because I believe if he sticks his nose in anything, that would be illegal at this point. Yes, I believe. Don't quote me on that. I'm not. But, well, there is a lawsuit going on about him being come back into the to the fold in the first place because that would be a a, a breach of his. Not of his contract, but a breach of a statute that he was – the reason for him leaving was because of the law, the lawsuits levied against him. And him coming back would um, violate the agreement that he signed that he was, he was leaving because of that. And, of course, with Vince, because he's still head of the board, he just got rid of all the people that told him to step down in the first place or <laughs> signed the agreement. He's like a um, piece of shit, man. Yeah. Because he got bad advice, he, his story. He he got bad advice to to step down, um, and the bad advice were from the members of the, bo- the board of directors that you know thought you having rape allegations against you that are twenty thirty years old, and even the more recent ones within the last five years don't look good on us, and you should step away from the company. And 
he comes back. And this is also from what um um the other con said the uh, head of directive for um WWE that the whole idea was for Vince to step away, wait, wait till the heat dies down, and then come back. And which is what more or less has happened. And the people that originally wanted him gone, what do you know? They either were let go or they retired. Or they left the company. <laughs> like Stephanie. Go figure. As soon as Vince comes, Stephanie leaves and what announces her retirement and here comes Vince. She was out. <laughs> yeah. Bye. You know what? I'm going home after this guy. Didn't even have it for a year. No. That's remember, your daughter, dude. And remember, Stephanie was let go first and while Vince was in charge. She was really, because apparently she was so incompetent or so bad at her job, Vince let her go. And Vince gets caught up in legal trouble. He steps away and here Stephanie's back. What a surprise. And then Stephanie now she's stepping down as chairwoman. Day later, Vince announces his return to WWE. Hmm. Hello, I must be going. That was you for you. Me there. You triggered yeah. me. I that, that was the intent. <laughs> About 50 but the, drum patterns just went through my head. <laughs> the WWE merry-go-round of um, people in charge uh, will still play on. Uh, but the any the only good news coming, if there's any good news, and the good news is only for the WWE, um, they haven't lost any revenue. Um, the the uh, stock has remained steady. I think went up a little when Vince came back. But even though the ratings are nowhere near where they should be uh, in terms of professional wrestling, especially we're talking about wrestling as early as um, when I go into the Astoria and when I talk about the ratings that that used to occur on a weekly basis, um, they're still doing fine um, on USA and on Fox. So from a business standpoint, the WWE is still the most successful wrestling company on earth. Um, it's just, it would just help if, um, the television show that that's on twice a week could give us something to watch. <laughs> You're funny. Man, I was ready for the 30th anniversary and they did that. I'm like, eh, I'm gone. It was in Philly. So, well, you know, I, and I don't want to listen for those that triggered. Yeah. I don't want to see that motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry. For more reasons than just that he likes to throw the N-word around like it's like it's money. Uh I hate that man. I always have. God. That's just me. Um no, it's, it's, it's it's not just you. No, man. it's just not just me. Did you hear the, the reaction? And the crowd goes, Neh. and the crowd goes mild. <laughs> uh uh seeing him just like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, I think you mean. Jimmy Hart got a bigger pop than uh than Hogan did. As he should. He was a member of the I blanked on it. The band. The Memphis Mafia? N- no, no, the no. Gentries. Well, Gentries, thank you. I always forget the name. Keep on dancing. And the most <laughs> remarkable thing, Jimmy Hart's gonna be eighty soon. Well, he looks better than Hogan does. That he does. Looked a lot of he looked a lot better than a lot of guys that we saw on the raw. That's true. Triple, raw triple X. 
Rick looks like he's like 400 years old. Rick's got a lot of miles. Yeah, you know who else? Uh, well, it was so it was so sad to me watching DX hobble into the ring. These were supposed to be the the bad boys of professional wrestling, and we're looking at now. Dan's 25 years, 98, 1998 was a long time ago. Yeah, thank you, I know. And seeing these 60, 70-year-old men doing crotch chops and, and God, Road Dog looks like bad grandpa. <laughs> yeah, see, you guys can stop doing that anytime. Yeah. Uh, and they try to do a little bit of comedy with Kurt Angle in there. It's like, I noticed they didn't mention it. They like Kurt Angle there. They didn't give him an intro. That was a good, that was the one good moment I saw. I was like, that's funny. The only thing that got me, and I knew, and uh, they did this for Raw 25th um, when they brought out DX. Ironic, go figure. They brought out DX, and um, they tried to blend the old with the new, and uh, they punked, that's when they punked out FTR. Yeah, I remember that. DX were very, you know, vocal and Try not to. Yeah. Uh, that X-Pac was the only one that shook hands with him afterwards and said thank you, but no one else did. Um, They're and I thought, Bruns, you know, what do you expect? Yeah, and I thought this was going to happen again with my, I mean, FDR was my favorite tag team then, uh, and my favorite faction now is Imperium. And they come out, I was like, oh man, don't get, don't let these, you got, you got to get these guys over. I mean, not just Gunther's already over, they, they're Going to you know keep the they're doing the right thing with him keep the belt on him for an entire year make the Intercontinental Championship mean something it would also help if you gave Imperium some wins on TV since they're just now look like just Gunther Stooges and they're, they're awesome too I don't yes. know how you're fucking that up but so when I saw them come out with um the Generation X lax. I thought, don't guys out. Don't don't do that. Don't give them the FTR treatment. And thankfully, they you know they did a little comedy with them. I'll fight. No, I'm not going to fight you. And they're like, well, I don't know. I I'm not doing anything. And even Triple H. Sorry, I was going to say Triple H even went off script. You think you think this booking stuff is easy? I just come up with this stuff. That was pretty funny. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I think I was going to say I think just learned their lesson from the FTR thing. We're like maybe. Yeah, just have a little fun with it. I, I, I watched that. Like I said, I watched clips throughout the day when I had four seconds to sit still. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, damage control. I, yeah. I'm glad I didn't watch because I heard that somebody went long, so the damage control segment was cut, and yeah. that just would have infuriated me. I'm trying to be positive. I was real happy. I saw that the show as a whole was good. And um, and this weekend, I'll get caught up right before the Royal Rumble because it is Royal Rumble weekend. But um, eh, that just, just, just peddling out terrible people. Again, uh, Adult Swim at least showed you not so hard. Mm-hmm. Not so hard. Uh, yeah, man, in the face of all of this. Yeah. Last week, like, I I don't even know how to really go about this because, uh, like I said, I, I, I have 
I hear things, you know, I still have connections, as they say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear things, even if it's not directly. Oh, boy. Wow. Why did I go to that website to see that breaking news? Holy shit. Um, well, that's that's old. Never mind. Uh, thank God. Um, totally got uh, off track on that one. Hold on, Craig. I'll bring it back. Um, you hear things. You hear the, the grapevine, and it's a little bit before it starts breaking publicly. And uh, yeah, uh, Jay Briscoe. Um, died in a head-on collision with another vehicle in Laurel, Delaware. Um, both drivers had died on scene, and um, Jay's daughters were in the car. And I know that his one daughter now has feeling back in her extremities. Uh, they were coming back from I believe it's cheerleading practice is what I heard. Yeah. Oh man, it's just it was bad. It, it was bad. It was a nasty um car accident. This this wasn't avoidable with how it went and how the impact was. Yeah. Uh perfect example, unfortunately. Um Jay was not wearing a seatbelt and the other driver was, and they're both dead. Uh, and yeah, this is a guy where you saw the tributes pouring in mm-hmm. and, and it was pointed out and it said over and over again. And I do think this is important. I do think this is important. Uh, he was well beloved because he is a guy and we're not gonna, and we're not gonna dwell on it. Why are you not gonna dwell on this one? Because as I said, unlike some others, uh, he did really stupid, admittedly stupid things, held himself accountable. And made change. Yeah. Right? Put his money where his mouth is. Period. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Made a difference. Realized what he did was really fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. And made a real difference. And changed. Yeah. Outwardly. Mm-hmm. So. The tributes are pouring in. Uh, AEW, apparently in the Warner Brothers, which is just coming off as a really terrible company, which uh, we've talked about many times on Nerd Herders. <laughs> just a bad company. Not the band or the song. Uh, wouldn't allow them to do an AEW, a Jay Briscoe, Briscoe tribute. Uh, it was just good to see, though, a lot of people in wrestling on all fronts have a lot of good things to say. And again, again, especially for someone who walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know what else to say about that. He, just a bad... There's nothing good that came from this. No. And it sucks. And and they lost a real good talent, you know? Well, the, the best talent. Um, the Briscoes and FDR had three of the best matches anyone had seen on any company all year and uh where do i start with this um he warner brothers didn't want to have anything to do with the briscoes because something that um jay briscoe had said in a tweet almost 20 years ago 
he since and again was held held himself accountable for accountable it. yeah meanwhile there's people in AEW that haven't um that have done far worse than yeah than a tweet about it was a homophobic tweet yeah um, he then, said words you shouldn't say in 2023 that's all i'm saying yes and but again to see but way worse has been said by members of the current members of AEW and they don't and Warner Brothers doesn't have any problem with them putting them on TV every week. But the Briscoe brothers can't even be mentioned on AEW. Uh and Dumps. this past week's show there was poor outpouring tributes. Uh there's wrestlers from Daniel Bryan to Bandito to Chris Jericho to um Young Bucks uh wearing uh Jay uh banners. Uh Kevin Owens had an amazing tweet uh that he uh wrote on his on his page and I triple can't h see those. yeah triple h had some very kind words to say about jay briscoe uh the briscoes uh it it's we lost jay at such a young age at 38 but they've been wrestling for 20 years they started yeah. when they were 17 18 years old and so many of today's stars coming through indies you went through the Briscoes. If you were an indie wrestler of any value, of any talent, uh, coming up in the last 20 years, you wrestled with or against or were on the same card as the Briscoes. So everyone from Kevin Owens to Sammy to AJ Styles to CM Punk to Samoa Joe to Daniel uh, Bryan, Seth Rollins, uh, Dean Ambrose, every all of them, to Moxley, sorry, um, wrestled he knew had a had a briscoe story the dudleys um ftr obviously um had a story about the briscoes and what a great guys they were and what great family men they were um they were would have been perfect for the wwe but like so many other great towns from indy they were probably would have been uh, WWE, they wouldn't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, with they wouldn't know what to do with them. Um, you you know, the some of the greatest tag team matches that most of the mainstream uh, wrestling fans have never seen took place in Ring of Honor, involving the Briscoes, involving uh, Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas, and uh, the heroes of wrestling, uh, Claudio Castagnoli or uh, Antonio Cesaro, you know, and Chris Hero. Um, and when Chris Hero and Claudio went to the WWE, they were immediately broken up, and Chris Hero was given bad gimmick after bad gimmick after bad gimmick, and never found his footing. Uh, Cesaro had fine pushes, and then was instantly forgot. He was even a Paul Heyman guy for a while, but he even forgot Bris his teeth at one point. Yeah, uh, but the Briscoes would have been great as the Briscoes. Because what made them such a great um great team was not only their their knack uh of their professional wrestling acumen, uh, but as their characters, their great promos, the way they looked. Uh, and what set them apart, what made them what made Jay such a good guy was that everyone that had any um interaction with him at all came away with nothing but positivity of how much he loved wrestling, of how much he loved his family and the stories about him going, you know, 
on the on the wrestling circuit, they travel in this huge, giant, you know, Zeppelin-sized RV. But that was for the entire family, not for just for Jay's kids, but their dad, their mom, their uncles, their sisters, their cousins, and everyone. And part of the reason, um, blessing in disguise, that they didn't sign with a major company is they didn't want to be away from their family. Uh, the the video of of Jay Briscoe cheerleading with his daughter went viral before you know it before it came out after his passing. But I had seen that you know many times before, and it was the love of uh, his his family, the love of his daughters. I was at the show where Jay Briscoe knocked out the teeth of his brother Mark. <laughs> at the show, I was five feet away from it. It was a tag team tournament for the old Pro Wrestling Unplugged um, Federation in uh, at Swanson and Rittner. And uh, I was there. God, I don't even remember that. that. Yeah. Um, but the, and you wouldn't even recognize the Briscoe brothers there because oh, either no. two bald head, skinny, twenty-two year old, uh, with the matching tights, uh, doing these high flying maneuvers, but they were doing hardcore stuff, and went outside with a chair. Jay went back, went to pull it back, and he suddenly swung it back to hit. I believe it was. Corporal punishment uh, with the chair, knocked his brother right in the mouth with the chair, and they continued with the match, but that became the, the signature, uh, the image of uh, of Mark Briscoe, the Briscoe brothers, the one with the teeth and the one without the teeth. <laughs> uh, but that's where it, and the mystique of the Briscoe brothers just took off from there, and they forged their their uh their legacy as the best tag team on earth that no one's ever seen and anyone who's ever seen any briscoe's matches again with the uh, oz and benjamin with uh the heroes of wrestling or even just this past year with ftr the three matches that they had absolutely unbelievable warner brothers maybe due to public pressure maybe due for outside influences has made and amends, some would say too little, too late. But tomorrow night, we're taping this on a Tuesday night on AEW. Uh, Jay Lethal, another person that spent so much time with the Briscoe brothers in uh, Indy and in Ring of Honor and other um, federations. Jay Lethal will be taking on uh, Mark Briscoe in a Briscoe brothers tribute match. There you go. Okay, good. So that will be tomorrow on AEW. Yeah, maybe a little too little, too late. Again, I guess the message is already out there. You know, it's like, come on, guys. But but if like, why couldn't you when FTR was going to wrestle the Briscoe brothers? Granted, on another uh, another show on a on a Ring of Honor show or on a Major League Wrestling show, why why couldn't you promote that? On your eight, on your show, yeah. on on AEW, why couldn't the Briscoe brothers' name even be mentioned? Stupid. Oh, Again, by the way, all the all yeah. the people and groups that have done terrible things and haven't had any discipline or accountability, 
and they still get away with anything. And we, I, I, I'm baffled. I'm fucking baffled. I don't get it. And and what's even more baffling and troubling, Dan, is that um, because of the car accident that took Jay Briscoe from us, um, we'll never know uh, what caused the accident. The other driver is dead. Um, I, I, was it a cell phone? Was she drunk? Was our car faulty? Did the brakes go? That's the other thing that baffles me is we'll never know what caused the accident. Yeah. I, you know, I hope there's not footage of it, but I'm sure in this world where everything's recorded, something out there might exist. I mean, you got footage of uh, Anne Hacious yeah. before and her Paul, accident. Yeah. And Paul Walker's accident. And Paul Walker's, yeah. The, I don't know. It just makes uh, this other trivia shit not seem so important but i would argue that the terrible people and still having jobs well still having high profile high paying jobs is uh pretty important yes that's just me yeah, what do i know it's you and that's a lot of other people though dan but uh, i know are... i do say that's just me but you know it's pretty not it's pretty it's it's pretty wide open for hulks yeah hulk hulk, hulk how what am i saying hulk ho clan yes it's a mouthful, but he. Well, I'm saying he's his clan member. You get it? He wears a. It's a red and yellow hood instead. White power, brother. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry you had to see that. <laughs> Are you sorry you said it? No, just sorry you saw it. I'm sorry you heard it. I'm, I also saw your penis. Are you sorry about that, Hogan? No. No. You sure picked good friends there. Bubba the Love Sponge. Thank God you are friends with him. What a happy day. Well, not anymore. <laughs> and no, I will make fun of him uh, uh, until I'm dead. And when I die, y'all can make fun of me. I won't care, because I'll be dead. Uh, Mr. Legans. Sure. Take us away, please. With the historian. Get us out of here. Get us out of here. In the week that was. The week that was. uh, Gentlemen and ladies. um, To escape from the turmoil. Which we find ourselves in. Saying goodbye to really, really good people. And having to watch really, really bad people. On our television every week. We're going to go back to a simpler time. Where wrestling was revered. And incredibly popular. And filled to the brim. With all sorts of people, not just white men over 25, but children, women, old people, black people, different types of people that were in all 50 states in sold out arenas, coliseums, high school gymnasiums, and stadiums to see what is then known as professional wrestling. It's been a very big week. That was in professional wrestling history. Big time uh, dates. Big things happen in this week of wrestling. We're going to go back exactly one week ago this week in wrestling history. January 18th. Dan, we're going to go back to January 18th, 1894. You were a young man, Craig. I was a young man, strapping young man. Just uh, got out of college. 
college had just been invented. Um, <laughs> but a real uh, legend in professional wrestling was born on this day, 1894, Toots Mont. Ah, Toots! Toots! Yeah! Uh, for you youngins who don't know, uh, Toots Mont was a very influential uh, person in professional wrestling. Uh, his fingerprints are all over today's product. Today, it was uh, Toots, um, the late great Ed Strangler Lewis, and his manager, Billy Sandow, no relation to Damien. Um, in 1919, they formed their own uh, wrestling promotion. As opposed to having different promoters controlling them, they formed their own wrestling promotion. And they called themselves, get this, the Gold Dust Trio. So that name precedes Dustin Rhodes. Um, but it was their, the Gold Dust Trio and their influence uh, and their um, visionary aspect, uh, they instituted time limits in wrestling bouts. Before, back then in the 1920s, uh, you would just go. Uh, and would wrestle until someone couldn't continue anymore. Uh, they imposed time limits. Um, and they were responsible for taking wrestling out of burlesque halls and strip joints and basements and putting them into arenas and um, gymnasiums uh, in places where, you know, you couldn't drink. You can charge your own prices uh, and not just whatever the bar charged. Uh, and they based themselves in the Northeast, in uh, Philadelphia and New York and Jersey. And Jersey City were big hubs for professional wrestling back then. And Toots worked with uh, a man named Jess McMahon, who was the father of Vince McMahon Sr. And it was Jess and Vince that uh, broke away from the NWA. The NWA was still the largest wrestling organization in the country at the, at the time, and the only one. This is before the AWA was even a thing. Um, but they uh, broke away from the NWA, and they formed the Capital Wrestling Corporation. And uh, they controlled all the bookings in the Northeast. So when Buddy Rogers, who's a native of uh, New Jersey, when he became the NWA champion, uh, Toots Mont and Jess McMahon, they were the ones that booked all of his wrestling appearances in the Northeast. So much so that Buddy only wanted to defend the NWA championship in the Northeast and nowhere else. Even though there was huge NWA towns in Texas, in Georgia, in Florida, um, you wanted to stay in the Northeast. Uh, and that would come into play uh, later on this week in The Wrestling Historian, where Buddy's love of the Northeast uh, cost him the NWA championship. But uh, Toots and Vince McMahon Sr. didn't always see eye to eye on everything, even though they both owned the Capital Wrestling Corporation. Um, Vince thought... Uh, because Toots liked this young Italian kid who was a strong as a bull, had a great look, and the fans really seemed to take. But Vince Sr. thought this kid 
from Abruzzi, Italy, would be just a mid-carder for two or three years. (laughs) But Toots is the one that told Vince Sr. that this guy would be the future of the company. This guy, of course, was named Bruno Sammartino. Oh, I was confused. Yeah. Uh, but that was uh, Tootsmont, who was born January 18th, 1894. On that same date, January 18th, uh, 1971, the aforementioned Bruno Sammartino would lose for the very first, last, and only time in Madison Square Garden, get his shoulders pinned to the mat, by Ivan Koloff uh, after a nearly eight-year reign, a reign that started on May 17, 1963, would last until January 18, 1971, and would end at the knee of Ivan Koloff. After coming off the top rope, knee to the Bruno's chest, he would be covered. Referee Dick Kroll counted to three. And the way Dick Kroll, the way Ivan Koloff, and the way Bruno Sammartino described it, it be, the Madison Square Garden crowd of 25,711 people were silent. Ivan Koloff later said in the interview he thought he lost his hearing. He thought he had been hit in the head and he hadn't. He, his ears were ringing because he couldn't hear anything. And the referee, Dick Kroll, even told Ivan, after he raised Ivan's hand, just go back to the dressing room. They didn't give Ivan the belt uh, for fear of a riot, uh, which is what was commonplace in Bruno Sammartino's matches. Uh, strong following just with fans, particularly Italian fans, that didn't, hey. like, didn't like to see Bruno get beat up. Even though Bruno won in the end, still didn't like... Uh, so uh, when Bruno didn't like it when Bruno got uh, was in a compromising position. So after Ivan Koloff pinned Bruno Sammartino, had his arm raised in victory, he Dick, referee Dick Kroll told Ivan Koloff go straight to the dressing room. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, and Bruno remembers uh, people openly weeping, crying as he walked back to the dressing room. Uh, he said that was the first time he saw the power of being champion. He had been champion for nearly eight years, but this was the worst thing that anyone had ever seen. Um, Brito had never lost, certainly not in Madison Square Garden. Some still claim the house that Bruno built. Bruno sold out Madison Square Garden more than any other wrestler before or since, more than Hogan, more than Austin, more than Rock. Every month, people paid their hard-earned money and 25000 strong. Every month, didn't matter who it was against, they paid to see Bruno. But January 18th, 1971, Ivan Koloff would end the reign of Bruno Sammartino. Um, the biggest upset in wrestling history. Ivan was just a transitional champion. The plan was always to put the belt on Pedro Morales at some point, but they didn't want Pedro to be Bruno or vice versa. Enter Ivan Koloff. Oh. So Ivan Koloff, maybe the most important victory in professional wrestling, ending the eight-year reign, one that will never be broken, Roman Reigns, um, no matter what. But, 
<laughs> I would laugh so hard. Yeah. If they the had the balls, like, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna hold that for eight more years, then retire. What? <laughs> no. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Again. I just I would laugh. But the record will never be broken. And as outrageous as it is that Bruno San Martino held the belt for eight years, uh, even more outrageous is the fact that Ivan Koloff, the only man to beat Bruno San Martino in Madison Square Garden, is still not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Bad Other people th- in the Hall, blah, 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 you know, that old chestnut. That old chestnut. Um, January 18th was a big date in professional wrestling also. Um, and you're gonna. this will be a theme in this week's Wrestling Historian. Uh, mm. Royal Rumble week. Um, what? Royal Rumble, night, January 18th, 1998. Um, the, uh, one of my favorite Royal Rumbles because of the, its participant. Uh, entering at number one in the 1998 Royal Rumble was Cactus Jack. Uh, entering at number 16 in the Royal Rumble, Mankind. And entering at number 28, Dude Love. First time one man entered the Royal Rumble under three different personas. Um, that Rumble would be won for the second year in a row by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, that Rumble was also um, the main event that night was the uh, casket match between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. And this yeah. was a match where The Undertaker backdropped Shawn onto the casket. The casket leaned out and caught Shawn Michaels right in the back and herniated two of his discs and crushing one completely. That would start the back injury that would haunt Shawn Michaels throughout his career. Uh, it caused him to um, lose his belt, give it up, and also started his nearly crippling pill addiction that turned him into the colossal prick that uh, we've come to know and um, hate vaguely and vaguely understand. Yeah. Uh, also, January 18th, happy belated birthday to two uh, Hall of Famers. Um, happy 60. Ninth birthday nice. to the the million dollar man Ted DiBiase, <laughs> one of the greatest guys I've ever met. Out of all the wrestlers I've met, he was really cool. And happy fifty fourth belated fifty fourth birthday to uh, once promising wrestler, now serious actor. Happy belated birthday to Dave Batista. Who's very good in almost everything he's in. Yes. Uh, looking forward to seeing his work in A Knock on the Cabin, but uh, hard to believe this was a guy that uh, Jim Cornette saw in Ohio Valley Wrestling and turned him into a, a beast, Leviathan, <laughs> but uh, started so late in his wrestling career. And if Jim Cornette still even, t- when he talks about Dave Batista, marvels that this man is now one of the leading actors in Hollywood where he couldn't even speak uh, when he was there, when he had him in Ohio Valley Wrestling. Uh, when they brought Kane in to uh, do a, to work a, a match with him for a big main event. And uh, David this time was just finding his footing. 
and could do a great power bomb and uh, a kip up and leapfrog. And he was telling Kane, and Dave was just sitting there nodding his head. And Jim would look at him, you want you tell him, you tell him what you want to do for the match. And he's like, yeah, yeah, what whatever you want to do is yeah, fine. Yeah, whatever you want to do. Said, yeah. Oh my, it's okay. God, I'm so scared. <laughs> no, but he he could barely speak. But now he's one of the you know, great and glass onion. Yeah, great and glass yeah. onion. Uh, good in uh in Dune. Very good. Um, I I liked him in Stuber. Uh, obviously, he was. Uh, I still haven't seen that. I forgot about that one. Very, I gotta see that. Yes, um, very good. Um, he's uh, but done with Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, he's a uh, volume three coming out later this year. Uh, it will be his last go round of Drax. Um, but just an, an incredible career i'm looking at him uh my girlfriend and i just finished peacemaker she hadn't seen it so between him and john cena and uh that other guy uh Dwayne, someone yeah, really hard to believe never been in anything good yeah that's but a joke folks it's hard to believe these guys are killing it uh in front of the camera now but my favorite part of that is, is that it used to be an anomaly, and Hogan used to be the only one, uh, and uh, uh, nobody cares anymore. <laughs> and another, another person that people forget, and he still holds the record, Dan, the first movie starring a wrestler to open at number one. Oh, um, can I guess? Yeah. Roddy Piper, they live. They live. It, it was it sure as hell wasn't hell come to Frogtown. No, no. The, listen, John Carpenter doesn't really make bad movies. He makes sometimes he'll go, eh, maybe not. Um, but they live's fucking great. And and right, the more years that go on, the more it becomes relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a well-made movie by John Carpenter. Um. And I, I love the little Ghostbusters connection in that movie, which I'll tell every time, but I won't tell this time. Follow me at Dan Law 83 for that one. Yes. And John Carpenter, you know, he gets the the uh the horror uh movie uh paintbrush, you know, what with Halloween and uh the thing and uh the fog and all that, but a great action movie director. Uh yeah. Escape from New York. Yep. Yeah. They live. Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, vampires. Yeah, the guy knows how to direct action films, and they make action stars. You know, and he built them around their strengths. Who knew the Roddy Piper? We knew him in, in wrestling, but for him to be a, an action hero like they live, great and, pop songs yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm oh. your man. And the Halloween theme song that. Yeah written and composed by John. Oh, I meant Roddy Piper. Yeah, John Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, Halloween. Just think, not only does he get residuals and royalties on on movies, he also gets royalty. His Halloween season must be, here comes the paycheck, because the Halloween theme will be used all the time. Yeah. Him and Elvira. Yeah, him and Elvira. Look forward to it. Him, Elvira, and Ray Parker Jr. Yes. And and, And for those who go, but he was sued. And then... 
he got it back because Huey Lewis was like, hey, uh, did you hear what happened? And it was, there was a non-disclosure agreement, NDA. So he broke that. And now Ray Parker reverts back. All the rights reverts back to him. <laughs> Sorry. No, well, that all that happened on January 18th. We never even got out the first day. What we never even got day. to. Yeah, what a day in wrestling history, folks. All right, good night, folks. <laughs> and that's our time. Uh, <laughs> January 19th, 1992, uh, in Albany, New York, uh, the WWE, WWF Royal Rumble. Ric Flair proves that he is a 60-minute man by going 59 minutes and 26 seconds and winning the Royal Rumble. But the it was first... under 60 minutes, so he's not a 60-minute man. Yeah, he's a, he's a 59 minute and 26 second man. Six second man, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Loser. Royal, Royal Rumble 1992, one of my favorite Rumbles. I'm probably going to say that a lot when I talk about the other Rumbles that occurred this week. But this was the first Royal Rumble where uh, the winner would be champion. It's not, you know, now the Royal Rumble gets a guaranteed title shot at uh, at WrestleMania. And before the Royal Rumble even included the WWE champion, Hulk Hogan had, had won it twice previously. This was the first Royal Rumble. The title was held up because uh, of the matches between The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan. So the winner of this Royal Rumble would be the new WWF Heavyweight Champion. Uh, what made it so interesting and great for me was this was Ric Flair coming in at number two uh, and the guys that he went through were guys that he was so were so familiar with. Um, Ted DiBiase, Roddy Piper, Kerry Von Erich, uh, Sid, uh, all these guys uh, he had f matches with and were so familiar with uh, in the NWA, and they were all in the Rumble with him. Um, Bobby Heenan on commentary, excellent. Of course. Uh, Rick, Rick Flair walked to the ring by Kurt Henning, uh, and Flair having to feign exhaustion at the end of for going 59 minutes, 26 seconds. Yeah, really? <laughs> match. Oh. Where, <laughs> look, Flair can barely stand up. He's exhausted. Oh. No. Uh, for, and because they're WWF fans, they have no idea that Ric Flair routinely wrestled one-hour matches with most of the guys in the ring, namely Kerry Von Erich and Roddy Piper, uh, would win hour matches with Rick Steamboat every night for about four months straight. Um, Harvey Race, Jack Briscoe. Um, but all that exhaustion went out the window once we were backstage with the great Mean Gene Okerlund yeah. and Bobby Heenan and Kurt Henning to give maybe the best promo uh, in Ric Flair's WWF career. Uh, because with a tear in my eye, this is the greatest night of my life. My life. And he talks with his eyebrows, too. Yeah. This is the greatest night of my life. Because this is the only belt that matters. This. Hey, put that damn cigarette out! Oh, sorry. Uh, and still, even with, and <laughs> we were just talking about it earlier, but I, when I look at that promo, that backstage 
promo from the Royal Rumble 1992. It's epic in its delivery and the characters involved, and it boggles the mind that Ric Flair is the only one that's still alive out of that whole group. Boggles the mind for more than one reason. You are correct. Yes, it does. Uh, but also on this day, January 19th, 2015, I know where you were, Dan, because January 19th, 2015 will be the first time on a Monday Night Raw that Sting appeared in the WWF ring. Yeah. <laughs> That's the statue gimmick, right? Yeah. Yeah. And listen. At the time, that was supposed to be the end. Other than when he was Joker's thing where he, you could tell, you like, listen, I'm going to have fun with this. Mm-hmm. He was having fun with it. Yeah. And the place went nuts. I was like, oh, fuck, it's Sting. You know? It mm-hmm. was a great moment. I almost unplugged my modem with my foot. Oh, I did that. Uh, yeah, no. It, it, other than you know the end, which was uh, WrestleMania. Well, I mean the Clash of Champions with uh, Seth, but you cut to a few years later, and it's not that it doesn't mean much, but because he's in the Hall of Fame and that's deserved. But you know, he's still got somewhat of a. He's extended his career, but he's he's playing second fiddle. And that's just fine. Um, to Darby Allen, and uh, I've watched the match, uh, Muda's final match, which was uh, with Sting involved. And there was a great little moment at the end because where there was Muda, there was Sting, and where there was Sting, there was Muda at the beginning. Yeah. And uh, if Sting's smart, he'll not be far behind. <laughs> Mr. Buddha. <laughs> I and I don't think and I know other than the booking part of it, he doesn't look completely terrible like Rick Hulk. Yeah. He's he's kept in relatively good shape. And I was saying earlier the on um, Stadium Journey, because we mentioned it. Um one of the few wrestlers that went on the landed on the other side of the pain killer addiction. Yeah. Pain pills. And he's not a guy that flaunched his born again uh christianity in your face uh and apparently and there was a great interview done by seahawk um who was for a year or more for a better part of two years working me and everybody about how he didn't think sting was good legitimately didn't think sting was that good of a wrestler but it turns out uh just kidding did an interview with Sting. I was just yeah, it was great. It was great. And it was a very good interview. Um where Sting opened up about, you know, leaving WWE, the end of that, and how that ended with Seth and how he takes responsibility for his part in that and not stopping and the Hall of Fame and why he was in W why he went to AEW. It was only supposed to be this. And uh my favorite part is that is um when he agreed to do a deal with AEW, it was not to wrestle. It was not. It was completely like, eh, like I said, like, I don't want to be one of these guys that, like, eh, I'm already pushing it. And apparently Cody and other staff 
they basically set a ring up in his training facility attached to his home, mm-hmm. uh, which is why the uh, term sting money exists. Um, <laughs> and they're there about 10 minutes and he's doing stuff. And Cody's like, hey, uh, you could still go. You could still do this. And lo and behold, he's still involved in matches. And and mind you, they're not actually wrestling matches. It's the smartest thing they've done about it. And I mean that in a positive way. Because listen, I agree with you about the, you know, he's taking up a spot. I'm a sting mark. I'm loving this. I, I love those segments. I don't care. Like, I get it. But I'm like, all right, that's just adding more to the DVD later. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Um. But yeah, it, it was a great moment between him and Muda. And uh, I just wanted a passing mention of that. But I will never forget, it was two one of two moments in that WWE, like I heard all day, Survivor Series, he's going to be up. no, 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 it's no, there's no way, legitimately not, I'm not, I wasn't doing the psyching myself out thing, I was like, there's no goddamn way this is real, it's not going to happen. Oh. And then, legitimately... Not knowing, but knowing it was staying in the statue in in the cover, mm-hmm. and everybody played that part beautifully. It, I was happy he got that. I, you know, we could pick apart that WrestleMania debacle. Uh, it's one of the few things I hold against Triple H, and I'd love to hold it against Stephanie. Um, anyway, it was a good moment. It was a good moment. His first appearance on a WWE TV show. The look on the the look on their faces. Yes, he's just doing. I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. <laughs> uh, January twenty first, nineteen eighty four, right here. Beautiful air conditioning filled up the spectrum. Uh, I had to see a, a tremendous eight man title match. I remember. Uh, it was Sergeant Slaughter. Teaming up with the triumvirate of Samoans, Appa, Sika, and Samu, um, who would later go on to be one half of the Head Shrinkers and the Samoan SWAT team with his brother Fatu, Rikishi. But Sergeant Slaughter, Appa, Sika, and Samu would take on the four man team of the WWF Tag Team Champions, Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson. Jimmy Snuka, and Andre the Giant. Uh, the main event that night was, uh, oh, by the way, that would be Sika's last match. Uh, apparently, he suffered a broken leg in that match. I missed it, uh, but he'd never wrestle uh, again uh, after that. He would stay in the uh, back and raise his children. One of them would be Roman Reigns. Uh, the main event that night was uh, Tito Santana going to a double disqualification with the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, the Iron Sheik, in what would be the Iron Sheik's last title defense of his WWF heavyweight championship. Wow. January 23rd, that same year, two days later, Dan, 1984, Madison Square Garden, 26,292 folks were on hand to see the two out of three falls tag team match involving 
Dana Carpenter and Poncho versus Tiger Jackson and the Haiti Kid. A two out of three falls midget tag team match in front of 26,292 people. Also making his debut, his WWF debut on that self-same card, winning his match with a pile driver would be the debuting Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. Wonderful! Mr. Wonderful! And He's absolutely wonderful. Uh, the main event that night was uh, Iron Sheik lost, well, lost the heavyweight championship to Hulk Hogan. Uh, not a big deal, it cares. Yeah. Whatever so amount of that schmuck. January 23rd, 1984. Also, the day I was accepted into college. Yeah. So uh, January twenty third, nineteen eighty four, was a big deal. Yeah, I was, uh, I was uh, not even one yet. Okay, didn't even know that. Uh, yeah. But January twenty fourth was also a big deal in WWF history, even though on January twenty fourth, nineteen sixty three, Luthez would defeat the original Nature Boy Buddy Rogers for the NWA Heavyweight Championship. But, Craig, what does that have to do with the WWF? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, unnamed stranger. Even though Luthez defeated Buddy Rogers for the NWA Heavyweight Championship, <laughs> the promoters in the Northeast, specifically ones head by a Toots Mont and Vince McMahon Sr., refused to recognize that title change and still considered Buddy Rogers the heavyweight champion of the world, specifically in the Northeast. Mm. So when Buddy Rogers, even though he'd lost the NWA championship to Luthez, wrestled as the world champion in the Northeast, New York City, Philadelphia, Jersey, and this went on for a matter of months, paving the way for this Capital Wrestling Corporation held by Twitzman to name their own heavyweight champion, and they would call it the World Wide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion. So, Luthez defeating Buddy Roger for the NWA title on January 24th, 1963 would pave the way for the creation, the formation of the World Wide Wrestling Federation. It's their fault. It is their fault. And uh, January 24th, 1984, the day after Hulk Hogan won the WWF Heavyweight Championship, we could see the beginnings of things shifting in the WWF for these debuts. Now, on January 23rd, we saw the debut, the WWF debut of Paul Orndorff. But the very next day, in a television taping in Allentown, uh, the tag team of Johnny Callahan and Frankie Williams would lose to the brand new debuting tag team of Dr. D, David Schultz, and Roddy Piper. Nice. Nice. So that was the their debut is in the WWF. And January 24th, another big day in wrestling history. Uh, because on that day, January 24th, 1998, 
the NWA and the WWF went head to head. The NWA held its second ever pay-per-view called the Bunkhouse Stampede. And they do it in all places in Nassau Coliseum, Long Island. Not particularly an NWA stronghold. No. Whereas the hell is this? <laughs> 500 miles to the north in Toronto, the WWF would have its first ever Royal Rumble on the oh, USA Network. Oh, yeah. And that wow. Rumble was only 20 men. And it was won. The end, the winning, the winner came in at number 13. And the winner of the very first Royal Rumble, January 24th, 1988, today, was one Hacksaw Jim Duggan. That that's uh okay. <laughs> College. <laughs> uh also on, on this date, nineteen ninety-three. Um the first I said before on a previous Royal Rumble winners, nineteen ninety two, Ric Flair actually win uh the world title. Uh now the Royal Rumble winner gets a title shot at WrestleMania. Well the very first wrestler to win the Royal Rumble and receive a title shot happened on this date. 30 years ago today, the 1993 Royal Rumble winner received, was the first person to receive a title shot at WrestleMania. And that man was the late, great Rodney Anuahi Yokozuna. Banzai. Banzai. Um, Though he, the last person he eliminated, uh, did a great favor for him. And you wonder why, after hitting the elbow drop, why you would go for a pin in a, in a battle royal. But Randy Savage went for a pin on Yokozuna and Yokozuna vaulted him off, but just press slammed him from a, from on his back over the top rope to eliminate Randy Savage. Um, even though it made no sense for Savage to pin Yokozuna in a battle royal, but it just made for a great exit, a great. I way forgot. Yeah, I forgot. I snorted a lot of coke. I was thinking, thinking, thinking. I was thinking, thinking, thinking. I wanted to snort more coke. That's all I could think of. Yeah, that's all I could think of. And uh, finally, uh, no, today the twenty fourth or twenty fifth. Today's the 24th. Oh, I was going to go to the 25th a week later. No, no, that's it. We're good. Okay, because some cool stuff happened on the 25th, too. We'll save that for next week, or in two weeks. Okay, it's not going to be as impactful, but all right. All right, do one of them. Okay. I'll do one of them. I had to convince him, folks. You had to convince me, because it happened... 45 years ago tomorrow, sorry, January 25th, 1978, one of the biggest days in professional wrestling history because it was the first time it ever happened. And even though it happened since, it's not as big, yeah. even though it should have been bigger than it was, it's bigger now because it was so long ago and because it's so unprecedented. It happened 45 years ago tomorrow, January 25th, 1978, the first ever Super Bowl of wrestling in the Orange Bowl 
in Miami, in the rain, the NWA heavyweight champion, Harley Race, took on in a two out of three falls match for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world, the NWA champion, Harley Race, took on the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, superstar Billy Graham. To make sure they was called right down the middle, there was an NWA official and a WWF official. The NWA official, NWA referee, Fritz Von Erich, the WWF yeah, official. Yeah, that's impartial. Well, the WWF official was Gorilla Monsoon. I'm picking Gorilla in that fight. <laughs> and wouldn't you believe it, each man won a fall? Harley Race won the first fall with a suplex. Billy won the second fall with the superstar bear hug. Uh, and the time limit draw went off. 60 minutes later, it was over. There was no winner. But the first ever Super Bowl of wrestling, the WWF Heavyweight Championship, WF Heavyweight Champion versus the NWA Heavyweight Champion, took place 45 years ago tomorrow. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is the Wrestling Historian. Wow. Just a tease for... Just a tease for next time. Just a tip. Just a tip. Just a tip. Well, unfortunately, I hope you can hear that. <laughs> ah, Roddy. I can't believe this exists. I don't believe this exists. Even with the uh, electronic drums of the 90s. And for you. Oh, that whisper. Yeah, Roddy. Do it all, man. Act, wrestle, sing. He's going to take us out this week. He's going to play us out. What does that mean, play us out? I don't know what that means. Fucking. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Craig, where can people follow you? Uh, They can follow me on Instagram. Facebook and on Twitter at Craig Legans, C R A I G L I double G E O N S. Follow me, all social media platforms. Dan D A N L A W H three. Yeah, the sweet. Yeah, uh, I guess next in two weeks, some awesome stuff on the twenty fourth. And a lot more. Hopefully nothing too important happens in the next uh, couple weeks. But if we, if it does, we'll be here. Let's listen to Roddy Piper on the way out. Good night, everyone. Keep it on the paper.